Benfica Podcast is one of the founding members of Benfica Independent. Benfica Independent is an independent platform made by fans for fans. And in it, you can find our podcast, along with many other podcasts, along with articles of opinion, video segments, and much, much more. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent with exclusive contents for our Patreons. Hasta que no estás aquí dentro no sabes la grandeza de, de este equipo. Sí, es un club que tiene una grandeza que no se comprende si no estás aquí dentro. Son de una magia única, benfiquista. Son nos sentimos así. Por muchos desgustos que podamos tener, valores más altos se levantan. O valor mais alto que se levanta em termos futebolísticos chama-se Benfica. Quero o Benfica intimidar o adversário. Quero o um manto sagrado entrar com vocês em qualquer estado. E estados, pá! É isso que eu quero! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the All Befica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas, coming to you every week, bringing you the latest in Befica land. Episode number 458 is what we're up to. And tonight, as always, Dave D'Oliver is here helping me out. What's happening, Dave? What's up, Alfredo? Great to be back on uh, this week. Uh, last week wasn't able to make it with uh, due to some technical difficulties, but uh, it's all good, and uh, it's even better when Benfica is coming off after uh, a victory. So good to be back on. Yeah, that's right. We lo- uh, we dropped Steve Santos because of his internet connection, but somebody had to take his place. <laughs> Those damn jo- Canadians and their reliable internet. All joking aside. All joking aside. Um. Here we are to tonight's on tonight's podcast. Uh, no video this week, so if you guys are, are looking for the, the video version, there's no video, only audio version. As we're recording this on Monday night, not our our usual Tuesday night, uh, so it will be available on all your audio platforms when you get a chance. Uh, so on on tonight's podcast, we'll we'll touch up a little bit on Rui Costa interview. Um, Rui Costa has one of his. Um, his election promises was that on every transfer window, he will come out and, and explain uh, some of the thought process, some of the moves, some of the, the financial implications that uh, the transfer window brought and in, in, in the acquisition of certain players. Um, he obviously didn't do the one in, during the winter transfer because, uh, I don't know, who do we have come in the last winter transfer? It was like what, somebody on loan or something. It was It was something very insignificant so you explained that didn't do it last winter because obviously there was there was not really much of a, a topic conversation um but yeah uh we'll have we'll touch up on that we'll also recap the Famalicão game preview the Juventus game and the Maritimo uh game which are Befica's uh upcoming games one this Wednesday and the other one Sunday um so let's uh let's talk about this week Austin. I know Dave that you you didn't really get a chance to um to really watch the interview but uh you know I'll just I just wanted to 
to touch up on on some things here, some bullet points that I wrote down. Uh, so he claims that the the first objective was to reduce the amount of players on a play role on a payroll. Uh, restructuring the the squad would focus on the competitive aspect of it, uh, not so much the the financial aspect of it. Uh, well, the financial aspect also, but the priority was really the competitive um, uh, aspect of it. Uh, he wants a squad more competitive with better quality, uh, and he was able to reduce the payroll by twenty one percent, which is uh, which is great. Um, also, he mentioned Verissim won't be back until after the World Cup break. Uh, the Jean Vitor injury, uh, it was uh, an injury that's been hard to heal, uh, especially the nature of the injury. Uh, Anthony Brooks was acquired out of um, the necessity, obviously, with Muratu going, going down after that last week of, of the transfer window. They needed to go grab somebody. Uh, he also said that he, he ideally he likes to have uh, no more than 21 players in a squad that have been acquisitions or that haven't been uh, brought through the Seychelles. And then you, you'd want um, that number to be supplemented by, by players uh, from the Seychelles. Um, let's see. Uh, in he also spoke about the, the new loan rule. And for, do, for, do, for those of you guys that don't know that, uh, there was a restriction in terms of how many players Benfica could loan domestically, uh, but it seems that uh, that that rule has changed for this year. So Benfica is allowed to uh, loan eight international eight players internationally uh, and six players domestically. Currently, there's five domestic loans that Benfica has loaned out, uh, and they left one slot um, for the winter. Uh, window in the event that Benfica may need to uh, to clear some room in their squad. Uh, also spoke about Yarmchuk with uh, with his exit, uh, and he said that Yarmchuk had a had a hard time. He came late, had a hard time adapting uh, to his new reality, uh, and then the whole conflict happened in the Ukraine. Uh, he said the the first couple of weeks of of the conflict, he said that that uh, Yarmchuk lost twelve pounds or six kilos. Uh, for the for those of you in Europe, um, so it was it was extremely difficult for for Yarmchuk to to even uh, do something and, and to really show his his uh, his values. So, um, of course, I said that there was an opportunity that came up uh, that was going to allow Yarmchuk to uh, not only have more more regular playing time, uh, but also return to a country where he's familiar with in, in Belgium. Uh, so that's what happened. But uh, he said that uh, overall, uh, if um, us as fans, if we're looking at the transfer window and, and how it went, um, and I think that uh, a lot of us have spoken here about the, the transfer window and how well Benfica did in terms of um, letting guys go, uh, cleaning up the squad. Uh, he said that the criteria, he felt that the criteria is very obvious for everyone to see uh, is... Uh, to uh, acquire um, criteria to to acquire was with the competitive aspect uh, as a priority and not so much the the financial uh, that we have seen before that uh, you know we've seen Benfica get players and they sign with Benfica but they never even wear the Benfica's uh, shirt so we've seen that throughout the the Vieira reign and it looks like with Rui Costa it's going to be different which you know I applaud. Uh, he also said that Neres 
Uh, Neres paid uh, uh, some of Shakhtar's debt to Benfica with uh, Pedrinho, uh, and he also um, cost 15 million. Um, in terms of Enzo, he said that he was all in uh, in terms of Enzo, because he, regardless of whether he was going to join us um, before the beginning of the season or right at the beginning of the season or in December or January, he said that he was all in in terms of uh, making sure that Enzo um, joined us. In terms of Auschwitz, uh, he said that uh, it was a, a request from Roger Schmidt based on the need uh, for the midfield. So they were able to identify, Roger Schmidt suggested, and Befica went out. Uh, he also spoke about Musa. He felt that Musa is not really, doesn't have a star sta status yet, and he's not a project, but he has tremendous, uh, tremendous expectations and, and great uh, potential. Um, he also spoke about Draxler. Draxler was an opportunity for a position that was needed, uh, and uh, he just that name came up, and, and Benfica really couldn't pass up, but he, he guaranteed that all the exams and all the physicals were performed to the club's um to the to the club's uh, ideas or, or rules or 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 procedures uh so he, he left he left all Benficistas basically thinking uh that this guy is good the, the club did their own due diligence to to bring this player on and 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 really he's expecting Draxler to be a, a key piece um for this uh for this team uh, overall interview, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I thought uh, you know, uh, I thought that especially when when you're winning, Dave, when you're winning, when you got eleven in a row or ten in a row, uh, when you had the interview was ten in a row, it's a lot easier to speak in front of the cameras and explain things, and people believe more of what you say if the team is doing well because a lot of people don't really care. Um, what goes on in, behind the scenes? They just care that the team is winning, but certainly a, a good uh, a good scenario for him to uh, to come out. It was it was quite ideal. Uh, hopefully, Benfica won't won't go down in, in a tailspin now after he came out. Uh, but certainly, I, I was um, I was happy. I was happy with um, with some of the words that he says, some of the explanations, and it, it, you know, we have seen. Uh, a different MO in terms of Benfica and the way they approach players and the way they acquire players and the way they bring in players uh, and also some of these these loans. Uh, it made it made a lot of sense to me. There's some things there that always they're never never going to be perfect or to what everyone is expecting. But I think that overall, I thought it was uh, it was a good interview and a good a good explanation. So moving on, Famalicão. This past, uh, what was it, uh, Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, bright and early over here. Bright and early, 10.30 in the morning. It was so great to watch uh, to watch the team that early. You get it out of the way, you know? If they ruin your weekend, they ruin your weekend. But uh, <laughs> but uh, at least uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, the biggest thing is that in, in Portugal, so 10.30 here, it was a 4.30, 4.30 there, or 3.30, 3.30 there. 3.30 there, um, it was hot. It was very hot in Famalicão, uh, even in the uh, middle of, or almost the middle of September, extremely hot. And you could tell right away uh, by the way the, the team moved. Uh, but in uh, on the field, Vlaco Dimos, Gilberto, Tony Silva, Notamendi, Grimaldo, uh, Tino and Enzo, Enzo Neres, Rafa, Draxler, and Musa. 
Dave, surprised that Draxler got the nod? Yes and no, considering that João Mario and uh, Gonzalo Ramos got the red card there against Vizela. So we knew that this team was going to be, uh, there was going to be some new new faces here. I was excited to see uh, what Draxler could provide and bring to um, this squad, but I think based on what we saw, we kind of have to temper our expectations down. I believe I read somewhere that this was his first start since, or even first action since March. First of, official uh, game. Season. Yeah, since since March. So, um, And he wasn't included in PSG's uh, training camp. Um, so he's really trying to get up to speed. And, and uh, it, it, you can tell it's difficult, especially with this squad where They've been uh, been together since July, and you can really see that the chemistry starting to form uh, amongst this this squad. So uh, you got to feel for the guy a, a little bit, trying to get his feet under him and, and trying to um, trying to make his mark on this squad. But I think we just got to give uh, Draxler a, a little bit of time and patience, and um, and we'll see where it goes from there. But um, I think he had to be. He had to be put in this situation due to the the red cards uh, that yeah. were given out in the uh, the previous game there. Yeah, no, look, you you could see. I mean, the touch is there. Um, you know, the 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 thinking and the decision making is there. It just seems that it's almost like he's playing with resistant bands, invisible resistant bands on his legs, where there's it's not. It, it, there's still some rustiness there rusty yep. there's not that fluidity in movements yet it seems that he's somewhat um you know rusty if, if for a lack of a better word but that's uh that's um you know i i, w- I was surprised but i'm happy uh and here's the thing right if we want him get get him up to speed he has to be playing games he's not going to go to the b team and play games so he has to get some some minutes here and there um i don't know if the decision was to um, leave him for the end of the game or start him in the beginning. Obviously, Roger Smith ended up starting him. Uh, and I think that it was the, the good idea because at the end of the game, you may need a little bit, somebody would, would that could bring a little bit more impact to the team. And I don't think that Draxler is yet at that level that could be put in the last 20 minutes of the game. That's a guy that's going to give something to a team that like Benfica was struggling to get behind uh, the defense. So I, I, I understood it. Um, what'd you think of Musa? I'm, I'm starting to like what I see from Musa though. What I'm I'm seeing from Musa, he's a, a little bit of Darwin in his first season, where he's more worried about make laying off and, and giving that extra touch, and doesn't have that that strikers or, or finishers mentality just yet. But I'm not gonna harp on, on on the guy yet. Another guy that's kind of coming into his own. He uh, was injured for most of the uh, the training camp uh, as well. So, uh, but initial impressions on Musa, uh, I like what I've uh, seen so far and. I think just with time, um, he's going to get uh, his his goal here sooner rather than later and open up his uh, account with Benfica. Yeah, and I think what you, what you mentioned in terms of, you know, his, his first look or his first decision or when he lifts up his head is always to, to find a teammate. I think those are are, are strictly um, orders from, from Roger Schmidt because he's a guy that, that receives the ball with the back against, the, against goal and is a guy that holds – uh, the pressure and can shield the ball uh, from a defender and wait for the for the 
the quick guys to, to make a run. So I, I understand that he had a nice shot between the legs and the keeper had a made a good save. I, I you know, I, I like him, but I, I think that he still needs more of that, that rhythm uh, to be there, to even be a, a, a viable choice as a starter. I, I think that Gonzalo Ramos is still going to have the edge over him. Um, but I think that Musa with more time, uh, and more minutes, I think that Musa could, could be somebody that could be very helpful to this team. Um, but, you know, choices are choices. I'm surprised that Enrico Rouge didn't, wasn't the one that, that got the nod. But everything That's indicated that was going to be Musa. I'm surprised about, too, because when I was here on the podcast, kind of pushing for a, a, a Ramos transfer, it was because uh, uh, Enrico Rouge was... Yeah. was the guy that I had penciled to take his his position. Um, but now that uh, uh, Musa is healthy, maybe the, Roger Schmidt sees see something that we're not seeing behind the scenes that when Ramos is down, he's giving these minutes to, to Musa. But um, um, I don't know. I think I, at this point, we can't really... Uh, can't really go against uh, coach's orders. Uh, yeah. He's got some sort of winning formula going on. So we got to put our, our trust in the coach. But yeah, I was really surprised to see that uh, Musa's kind of gone over uh, Arujo in the uh, depth chart for that uh, striker position. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think, look, I think that here's the other thing that I was thinking about, right? Uh, as somebody that's, that's, uh, that's Croatian that already has some international appearances. He's probably working extremely hard to make sure that he makes that, that uh, world cup squad for Croatia. Uh, so maybe uh, Roger Smith is, is, is kind of playing with that uh, in terms of what his desire and his drive is. Uh, and obviously also try to try to make sure that the player stays with him. Right. Because I think that if he doesn't start getting playing time, He's going to see um, his opportunity to make the Croatian squad shrink, I think. So maybe Roger Smith is playing a little bit with, with that. And look, I think that we need options. Uh, both Musa and Gonzalo Ramos are, are, are somewhat different in the style that they play and what they bring and what they have to the team. So I think that if we could have two guys that are more or less, can more or less come in and, and add a different wrinkle to the team or a different skill set to the team. I think that uh, it, it it makes things so much better for us. Um, in terms of the game, man, tough game, tough game up north is always uh, is always tough, especially playing against teams that uh, they defend. That's all they defend. Uh, that's all they do. They defend. Uh, Famalicão was pressing high, was pressing Benfica high at some point, uh, but with the heat and and uh and and the sun and and how the conditions were in Fomalicão, uh they ended up returning uh, back to the that two banks of four right in front of the defense or right in front of the goal and made Benfica's uh mission really 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 tough uh and I don't know when Benfica is going to find a solution to break down these teams because as we mentioned here 80 percent of the teams that Benfica is going to find are going to be teams that set up like this. And I'm, I'm just surprised that Benfica time and time again continues to struggle to find a way to beat these teams. Um, the combinations in front of the box annoy me and frustrate me to no end. It seems nobody's willing to take a shot. 
take a shot. Maybe it hits off of somebody's legs and deflection and you get it in. Uh, in the second half, we saw more shots, but in the first half, it's just like, ugh, I don't know, man. What did you think of the first half? Yeah, the first the first half was definitely the the more of the painful of the the halves to to watch there, and I think that's where you really saw that the the I don't want to say lack of chemistry, but when you're putting in two uh, newer newer players there in that that attacking uh, part of the field there, you can kind of see that uh especially with Draxler like you alluded to the the rust or when it got to Draxler the play would kind of either die off or it wouldn't uh progress um I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm about to say this but it wouldn't progress as if uh, Joao Mario was in that uh position there but that's what I really noticed in that that first half that we were really lacking on that uh that finish that finishing in that the uh, the final sector there but um I, I was kind of glad to see that Roger Schmidt was uh was willing to make that substitution right at halftime and not give another 10 15 minutes he uh, identified that uh that uh, Draxler needed to come off he put in uh, uh who was it uh Joe Gonzalez oh, yeah. in uh, his position there and uh yeah it was a little bit better in the second half but uh we ultimately got that goal and like you said uh, uh, sh- just take your shot on target look at that uh, Rafa goal uh yeah. Rimaldo sends it to, in the box he gets a foot on it and it goes the other way right and not the prettiest uh, of goals but at the end of the day they all count the same on the score sheet and uh, at the table at the end of the season as well so yeah it- um not the, not the greatest of first halves but uh we got the result we needed in the second half yeah, no, certainly the second half was uh, a lot better. And I think that Roger Schmidt is not a guy to to make the changes that he that he's seen need to be made. And certainly Draxler, albeit I've seen Benfica players play much worse, but you know, you, you gotta understand the context and that Draxler is, is going through right now. So it makes sense. It made sense that Benfica would add somebody like Gonçalves, which has a little bit more more speed than him. Uh, and if I think that if he needed to explore the wings a little bit more and Draxler is not really a guy that plays on the wings. Uh, but yeah, uh, great cross by, by Grimaldo Rafa with, with another, um, uh, side of the foot, whatever that was touched to, to redirect the ball. Uh, and luckily it went through defenders legs and, and right into the far corner. So it was great for Benfica. Uh, but yeah, much better if he can in the second half, more shot attempts against Fumalicón that really, after the 60th minute, ran out of gas and all they did is really defend, but they were just in, in panic mode for a second. And I didn't look up the goal point stat, but for a second, um, it, it seemed that if he can spent a, a, a great amount of time in Fumalicón's half. So um, dominating in terms of possession. Uh, and I don't know if you're looking at looking those up, but but certainly, uh, yeah. But but yeah, three points. It's all that matters. Um, the only thing is that I I think that uh, that Roger Smith has to be very careful with to manage um, to manage Enzo uh, because I I think that Enzo is reaching a point where there's it's a lot of games on his legs, and we got Auschwitz. Um, and there's no reason why Ashness can, can't be brought on, even if it's just to hold the ball and control and uh, give Benfica some possession in that midfield. Um, so, uh, but a win is well, a win. We've got, we've got, yeah, not to jump 
too ahead of ourselves here, but we've got Juventus uh, middle of the week here, which yeah. I, I'm thinking we're going to feel their strongest 11. Yeah. And then we've got Maritimu on Sunday going into an international break. Is that, I, I think ideally not to disrespect Maritimu, but uh, they, they are winless this season and, I think that's the the game you got to pencil down in your schedule to to maybe rotate the squad or get some some rest, especially with an international break coming up uh, as well. I think that would be the ideal uh, spot for Arshnis to uh, to get a start over Enzo and and rest Enzo up uh, there. Yeah, no, I, I it could be, but I mean the way I look at this Maritim game, and we'll get into it a little bit. Maritim has yet to win a game, uh, and Coming out of Juventus game, and regardless of how Benfica performs against Juventus, going into this Maritim game at Stade Luge, a team that changed that has changed coaches already, uh, that has yet to win a game ahead of an international break. Uh, this has all the makings of a trap game, Dave. The, regardless of whether the, you rotate like the, or not. Like the Boavista and the Bessa, right? Like I think look, we've seen this. Yeah, I think that even if you rotate, there there's there's clear danger here that this could be the classic trap game. Uh, especially if you do well against Juventus, uh, which we'll preview shortly. Um, I think it could be, I could be, it could be a trap game, but you're right. It, it is the, the perfect game to, to rotate some. And, and right. Uh, look, I think that if, if, if Roger Smith decides to sit Enzo or give Enzo a break and, and let him travel to, to Argentina a little earlier um, and he plays Auschwitz, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all because I think that despite them being different players and Enzo bringing what he brings, I think that, that Auschwitz in that midfield, he hasn't disappointed me so far from the minutes that I've seen him. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? No, and he's got to he's got to get his run in as well, too, right? He was kind of brought in later on in the in the in the uh, transfer market season, so it's not like he uh, got a full training camp with a lot of these players, too. So he's got to get his run in there. A lot of these players are going to get their their time to to shine and their their run because we're playing two two to three games every every seven days, right? So um, a lot of these players are going to have to get some some run and some burn in and. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, when we get yeah. to previewing Maritimu, but uh, I think uh, a lot of these guys should uh, should get some rest and make room for uh, some of these other guys we haven't uh, seen. Yeah. On one last topic regarding this game, and it, it's been all over the place, and I'm sure that, that everyone has seen it, uh, about the, the young kid that went to um, the stands that were reserved for Fomalicão fans, which, by the way, weren't full at all. Um, and as it turns out, he was wearing a Befica jersey and security made him take off this Befica jersey before he could have access to the stands. Which is... Yeah, it's uh, it's bullshit. It's, uh... it, it's the most ridiculous thing um, that I've seen, but this is something that goes on week in, week out. Every time Befica goes away... There's always this warning. Especially up north. But here's the thing, Dave. So they won't, they won't let a guy with a Benfica jersey into the section. 
but they make him take off the take off a shirt. So would you automatically think, oh, that kid has no shirt? So that means they took the shirt away. So he must be a Benfiquista. But here's the thing: they're people are concerned about about safety, right? And about you know, obviously, fans, you know, having clashing with other fans. But isn't that where why why security is employed by these places? I mean, and look, maybe. Dave, we're spoiled, right? Because we're used to the uh, to, to the North American fan culture, right? Where it's not uncommon that you're watching a Toronto FC uh, match, um, and there might be two or three guys with New York Red Bulls uh, up at BMO, up in Toronto, right? Yeah. And obviously, there's always banter that goes on, but people, by and large, they kind of know how to behave. They're they're civilized, and and they know it's Look, it's just a sport, uh, and I just don't understand the whole mentality. And if the mentality is, or or according to the league, is to um, attract people to, to games, attract families, attract fans, uh, make the product on the fields much better, and then you kind of see these things that are kind of retrograde um, to the whole culture, to the whole fan culture, and it's it's so. It's so primitive, and I don't know what happens in other countries, but I actually just saw something on record in a kid that went to the Fiorentina match um, in Fiorentina, and he was wearing a Napoli jersey, and the security guards made him reverse the jersey and put it on and still go there. But you have to use some kind of reasonable common sense, right? It's a kid, man. It's a kid. Yeah. It's it's uh it's really unfortunate that uh, a lot of Europe is still like that today. The only really the only one that I can think of that it's not like that is is the Premier League where they've they've got all that shit out right. Like they they've a, and and then you wonder why they're the 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 most profitable yeah. league in the, in the world and everybody watches them right. They they took all that shit out in the late eighties early early nineties and. Now it's it's advertised for uh, uh, you can bring your family, you can bring your your buddies, you can bring whoever. It's for everybody, right? So, um, yeah, let, I don't let... know. It, it, it's 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 unfortunately it's not just Portugal, like you you alluded to there with with the Italian league, and um, it there's something to be said about rivalries and adding to the atmosphere of the game. Yes, like we don't want to we don't want to lose that as well, but when you're turning kids away and, or making kids the, the focal point of, of the issue when really they're not there to cause any, um, cause any havoc, right. Yeah. It, it's just, it's bullshit. Like I said. Yeah, no, it's just, I don't, I don't get it. It's somewhat, it's, it's almost archaic. Right. Uh, and like you said, I, I understand the, the rivalries and, but it, it seems that every time Bifika travels up north or goes to any of these stadiums, there's always a memo put be put out by the home team saying, uh, for these stands, which are reserved for saucers and, and fans of the club, uh, people wearing other teams' attire or gear are not going to be allowed. Uh, and, and I don't know how I feel about that, man, because it's kind of, you know, what what world do we live in? What society do we live in that there's there's a segregation of of fans because of 
what team they cheer for. Uh, and I guess you can make the argument, oh, it's, you know, it's it's the stand that's that's reserved for, for this and that's reserved for the fans. And, you know, we want to make sure uh, if they're separated by a fence, right, they're still going to yell back and forth and, and curse each other out, whatever. I just I just don't understand this whole mentality, man. It just it's counterintuitive. It's counter to the idea that Proences is trying to do. And there, no wonder where sometimes you're watching Liga Tuga games and there's 2,000 people in the stands. First of all, the product is not attractive. And then the clubs don't really behave themselves in a way that to attract fans, even neutrals. It's crazy. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's, to me, I, I don't understand. Yeah. So there's a little, there's a, a whole lot of hubba hubba going on with that, with, Provence getting involved with uh, uh, one of the ministers getting involved. It's just, it's just not a good look, man. It's not a good look. And I think, as you mentioned, civilized countries and, and, and leagues that want to prosper and leagues that want to be respected throughout the world um, have, have found a way to figure it out. So why can't Portugal, with a lot less people going to stadiums, with much smaller stadiums, have more control of that uh, because I mean, just imagine it. I mean, if you and I go from here, we decide, well, well, let's go to England. We'll watch a few games. Right. And and I'm obviously I'm, I'm just going to use a team as an example. I'm not saying that you are a fan or a, let's say we decide to uh, wear Manchester United jerseys and, and we go to uh, to city and the, the best seats that we could find are the only seats that we could find are in the middle of city fans. Do you think that, we would you feel in danger in the premier in the premier probably probably not but my <laughs> your instinct but right based on your based on my instinct of the portuguese league it, that's in the back of my head but yeah it's you don't hear it as often in the in the premier league i think is that with the point you're you're trying to make it and you'll often see uh shots of the crowd or the of the stands where two people of the opposite uh, teams will be sitting next to each other. Right. And um, it, it's just, you don't see that uh, in, in Portugal um, too often. Right. Yeah. And in, uh, in this case here, the kid had to take his shirt off. Yeah. I think that, uh, and, and this is not the, it's not the first, the first time that this has happened. It's happened multiple times. Um, and I, I, I just, I just don't get it. I think that, uh, maybe as Benfica, we need to make a stand, right? Because everybody knows that these little teams with little budgets, they live off or they count off the visits from the three big clubs because that's how they attract people through their gates and that's how they make their, their game receipts. But I think that Benfica kind of and Benfica fans in general need to kind of make a stand. Uh, so So maybe boycott a few games. In which, if that's the memo that's going to go out, boycott the game. Nobody, sh- nobody show up. At least target those those uh, those small clubs that are either offenders or repeat offenders, right? If they, yeah. Molly Cohen did this uh, this season. Next season, put that memo out, and it, it's hard, right? It, I think it's it's hard because, especially for Benfiquistas in that uh, that area, and that might be their, their the closest game that they get to all all season, right? But um, yeah, I mean, if the, I think if the club uh, put out a memo like that, I, I think a lot, uh, a lot of supporters would get behind that. Yeah, 
And and then today the press office press officer from Riwav also spoke, you know, uh, in favor of Famalicão, right? And this is coming from a club who not too long ago had a racist incident in their stands where they had somebody clearly uh, uh, insulting and call and calling uh, names to uh, one of Benfica's players, right? And this guy. Uh, you know, you think, <laughs> where does he come from when his club is just as bad? I don't understand. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the, the two gone. That's the, the the shit that we need to to live um, in. And, and I tweeted, man, it, it, it's becoming harder and harder to, to follow the Portuguese league because every time you you turn around, it, there's always something going on. And it, it's 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 a third world country league, if you ask me. Uh, and I only watch it because of Benfica. Otherwise, I wouldn't even watch it. And I think there's a lot of people. Really? Just like, yeah. It, it, and it's like that. But when you're trying to advertise it, you see it like the stars of tomorrow playing in the league today, basically. That's all you have to advertise it as. But it's all the other bullshit that comes with. It, and that's why you, you're you're not going to get these TV deals. You're not going to get be able to promote this this league because there are there are great players, even outside of the three big big three clubs right that um you can you could advertise yeah. but um it, it's all this additional it, it, crap and bullshit that yeah, it, uh, that brings it, the league down yeah it's that it's it's ticket prices that whenever benfica comes into town the tickets jump you know a hundred percent almost uh and it's just like people haven't realized that the more fans you have in the stadium regarding regardless of what the colors are uh the more fans you have the more of an atmosphere you're going to have, the more of an atmosphere you're going to have, the more it's going to rub off on teams. The more it rubs off on teams, the better product and the more excitement they could put on the field. The more excitement on the field, the more I would want to watch that on TV. And I'm saying me, but I'm talking about people from all over the world, right? When you watch the two go, right? And you look at it and half the stands are empty. I mean, do you really want to, I, I feel like I'm watching the El Salvadorian league and nothing, obviously nothing against the El Salvadorian league, but you, you, you watch some of these games on gold TV. And I don't know if you've ever zapped and you, you run into an El Salvador league and, and you could tell right away that it's an El Salvador league and, and El Salvador, Honduras, you name it. Uh, but it, it, it's all correlated. It's all correlated really. Uh, and I think that for, for, Portugal, a country that prides itself in, in in so many initiatives that are that are great in terms of, you know, how people are treated, how tourists are treated in Portugal, how Portuguese people are hospitable uh, and welcoming, and then you got this this whole fucking bullshit, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's that's my rant. Moving on, Juventus, Juventus. Uh, Oh, oh, you got any stats on this Famalicão game? Yeah, let's let's recap uh, some of these stats here. Rafa with his fifth goal of the season, uh, third in league competitions. Now uh, Benfica's second highest goal scorer, only one behind uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who has sixth this season. Uh, Grimaldo with his 50th assist in his Benfica car uh, career. Only Pizzi, Gaetan, Simão, and Nuno Gomes have more uh, in Benfica's history. 
And uh, that was Benfica's sixth consecutive victory away from home in league competition, uh, which dates back to last season. And all six have been uh, clean sheets there. So got the uh, defense uh, all shored up uh, at the back there. Yep. 11 straight. And I know that we've talked about Antonio Silva, but uh, every time the kid's out there, he impresses me more and more, man, just for his whole maturity aspect of it. I, I don't know, Dave. I, I don't want to sound yeah, like a broken not, record. No, the, the best way I can sum it up, if we're not talking about him, that must mean he's doing his, his job right, right? That he's, yeah. he's playing in a position there that um, it, unless I'm not expecting him to go and score goals, right? But he, he's doing his job well and, and he's not being held uh, uh, liable out there. So if we're not talking about him, he's uh, he's doing his job. Yeah, but I'm talking about he's not just doing his job, man. There, there's there's certain things that you see, the calmness, the passing ability, uh, even cheering on his, his, his teammates and, and directing his teammates and some of his ability in, in getting, away, getting away from attackers. There was one play that he ran down a guy. The guy was coming in strong, and he just touched it. He just touched it past him. The guy slides in, and he comes right back out with the with the ball. It's just, it's I, I'm enjoy, I'm really enjoying watching him in. Um, I'm enjoying watching him because you know I th I think that uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of kids that you know have these these dreams of playing for Benfica and making it, and and certainly he's got to be living a dream right now and it's gonna it's gonna be hard to to pull him out man it's gonna be hard he's doing well um i i was just gonna say like we'll cross that bridge when we get there <laughs> i'm sure these things always work their way uh somehow or another but we'll cross it we'll save that for another podcast yeah i think that we've already mentioned here that maybe uh after the world cup uh otamendi goes and finishes his career in argentina so so maybe that's where where we're gonna go after that but yeah We'll see. Like you said, we'll cross that bridge. The next bridge is the bridge to Turin. We'll play Juventus this Wednesday at 8 p.m. Portugal time. Uh, you got you got any stats? I got I wrote some stats, I, but you probably have the same. I got the stats here. Um, historically, we've got four wins, one draw, uh, one defeat against uh, Juventus. That defeat coming in uh, March of 93 in the uh, UEFA Cup competition. Our most uh, recent uh, meetings with Juventus came in 2014 uh, with the uh, Europa League uh, semifinal triumphs, where we uh, ultimately uh, got past Juve and cost them uh, from hosting the final and playing in the final at their, their home stadium there. Um, this season, uh, Juventus is currently sitting in eighth position in Serie A with 10 points from two wins, uh, four draws. Uh, eighth position, but the Italian league is pretty uh, stacked uh, there. They're only four points behind the leaders of Napoli, Atalanta, and uh, Milan, who have 14 points. But uh, Milan, or not Milan, Juve coming into this match, only one win out of their last six matches. One win, yep. four draws, and uh, one loss against PSG there. So I uh, I watched a little bit of their game there on, on Sunday, just scouting the opposition. And Alfredo, I'm telling you, there's I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but there's nothing there on that Juve team that Benfica needs to be scared of. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny because I, I looked up the stats too to see what the historical had been between the two, team, the two teams. And 
I could have sworn that it would have been less favorable for Benfica. When I said, wow, we've, we played them six times and four wins, one tie, one loss. That's that's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, but they, they haven't been doing all that well. Um, they got a couple of players out. Pogba's been out. Locatelli, Caio Jorge, Marley Ak is out. Uh, doubtful for this match, Di Maria and Chesney. So I don't know, but right now they are um, they are a team in disarray. They're a team that's still trying to find their their footing, their 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 gear. Uh, and, but I think that you look at this game and just the whole context of the game, right? Juventus lost the first game um, against uh, PSG against PSG. Sorry, in Paris. in Paris. So now they they they're back at home and they're, they're going to want to record the first three points of, of the group stage. Um, for Benfica, the, the pressure is going to be on Juventus, certainly playing at home. Uh, I think that Benfica is going to find a team that they haven't found in a little bit in terms of the, the playing style, right? Because if Benfica is just used to the to the defend, defend, defend of the Tuga, and now they're coming to Juventus, I think it'll be it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I'm just concerned about what uh, what Benfica's legs are going to be like heading into this game because we have a lot of games already in our in a short period of time in our schedule on our legs. So I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, there's probably no better time to face Juventus right now. Um, Juventus than right now, right? Uh, because of just where they are, but uh, they're going to be motivated and they want, they're going to want to get those three points because they know that uh, their competition is Benfica. And if in order for them to go on to the, the knockout stages, they're going to have to get to, to beat Benfica in Turin and also grab some points in, in Lisbon. Um, but I think this, this has all the makings to, um, to fit into what Benfica is doing right now. I think Benfica has, should have the ability to be extremely competitive against Juventus, but we'll see. So uh, Mario, I, we... I'm go ahead. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Alfredo. No, no, I was just saying that like any, I think I, coming into this at the draw, if we, if I would have told you at, at that draw date that yeah. Italian and Turin would have, would have been, would have been awesome. But honestly, the, what I saw from Juventus on Sunday, they, they ultimately pulled out a, a tie there at the end of the, uh, the game there. They were down two nil, but, uh, the way that Benfica's been, what I've seen from Benfica this year and what I've seen from uh, Juventus, um, don't be surprised if Benfica comes out with with three points. Um, I w- like you said, all the points or all the all the pressure is on Juve, and you would think that this is this is their game to get back on yeah. uh, on schedule. But what I've seen from them uh, lately. Uh, I, I think Benfica is, is has uh, has that much more of a, of a team there. Juve might have the players, but they're not playing as a team uh, right now. Not not that organized. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm not I'm not that scared of Juventus. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And and we all said that if there was a team that we wanted to to be in the group stage with uh, out of that pot too, with Juventus, right? Just because of the disarray they're in. So here we are now. And and look, there's no telling what Juventus is going to be a, a month from now or a month and a half from now when we play them mm-hmm. again, right? But let, let's just take advantage of this opportunity now, especially in Turin, man, because at home we have our fans. So 
We'll see. And, and who knows? Like, I, I think Allegri, their coach, has to be under some pressure here. If he doesn't get a, a positive yeah. result against Benfica, that's seven. That would be seven uh, out of their last seven, only one one win. If he doesn't get all three points, like the pressure's got to be mounting on uh, Allegri too. And he hasn't had the best of seasons since um, he came back last year as well. One 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 storyline which I, I I don't know if the the papers have gotten to yet is uh, with Chesney looking like he's going to be out. Might be the uh, Mattia Perin rematch uh, or revenge match against Benfica after that whole transfer fell through. So something to uh, keep an eye out there. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I saw that. Uh, what do you think in terms of result? I'm going with, I'm going to be very conservative. I'm going to go with the one, one. You're going to go with the one, one. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting it out there. Uh, two, one Benfica. Two, one Benfica. Yeah. All right. And really, that that one goal for for Juventus, I'm being generous to them because. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm full power for this match. Full I hope power. it doesn't come back to uh to bite me in the ass, but I'm going full power for this uh this match. No, because you also have people in your inner circle, right? Was your your my my in laws are all uh, Juventus uh, supporters. So what what are, God, what are they, they feeling? Are the worst. <laughs> my in-laws are not the worst but the uv supporters are the worst i watched that game i thought i was watching porto uh play the way they all ran after the referee trying to get a, a call there at the end they're they're the porto of the uh the italian league 100%, for sure so, except they got caught so they got caught but still managed to win another nine in a row so um <laughs> yeah uh, i'm i'm telling you this uh this uv team I'm full power and Benfica is going to what's uh, what, what's your in-laws your in-laws uh, give you any shit they tell you why wow, you guys are going to beat us we're not that great no they they, they they're always full power that uh, that mentality <laughs> of theirs they're always full power even when they lose seven in a row they're always uh, got a, that uh, full full power mentality they uh, they uh, I think they're underestimating us and uh, watch what happens on Wednesday yeah yeah yeah, so as I mentioned, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Portugal time, 3 p.m. here in the east coast of the U.S., uh, if you are on this side of the world. Uh, and then up next, we have Maritimo on, on Sunday. And as I was mentioning, classic trap game this could be. Dave, you got any stats on Maritimo? I think we already mentioned them, right? 0 for 6. Oh, I, 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 0 for 6. Them and Pastor Ferreira are the only uh, winless and pointless teams so far through the first six uh, match. Both have already fired their coaches uh as well uh historically uh this will be their 100th match between uh, both clubs so in the previous 99 meetings uh, 69 victories for benfica 18 draws 12 defeats uh benfica's only lost to maritimo once at the estadio de luge which uh, came all the way back in september of 1987 um our last 10 eight wins one draw one defeat against maritimo and that defeat was uh, in 2020, which ended up being Bruno Lage's last match in charge of uh, Benfica. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as, uh, at Stade Luz, um, and as we mentioned, they, they've already fired a coach. Uh, Vasco Siabra was the, the, form, the, the original coach. Juan Henriques is now the new coach. And I think I, I read a little blurb um, that said these players are not ready to play for, for Maritim. I don't know what he means what he meant by that maybe he found a, a a locker room in shambles 
but certainly coming to uh lose is always motivating for teams. So we'll see what happens. But Dave, I think this, this game has all the makings of a trap game. I hope that I'm mistaken. Um, but I don't know, man, this could be, this could be a little tricky for Benfica. What do you think about the yeah, score? I think, I think, I think in previous seasons, it could have been a, a trap game. I'm not asking for a whole 11 to be swapped out because then for sure it's going to be a, a, a trap game, but players here and there, like I'm looking at the roster, whoever doesn't get the start against Juventus between Gilberto and Ba, have them starting against the uh, I'm with you. Maritmo. I'm with you. Um, uh, if I'm looking here, let Henrique Araújo play against uh, Maritim because he is from Madeira. Yeah, he's from Madeira, so there that that's uh, an easy uh, an easy one. Um, I'm wondering uh, Arsh- if even Arshness is there, Enzo. Yeah, Arshness. I wonder if even guys like Ristich get. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily gets the full. Uh, or the full start, or maybe you bring off Grimaldo in the 60th minute there, or if the game is already in the in the bag and you give Ristich some um, some time there. Who else is is here that could get some some burn? Shikingu, maybe another guy like that where he's not necessarily starting, but he's getting some some burn. But um, you got to give some of these guys some some minutes and rest the other guys too. Um, especially yeah. like you said, we've got a lot of. We got a lot uh, of tired I'm, legs here. I'm not looking for for four or five changes, but I, I'd make I'd make a few changes. I would definitely give Enzo some um, some time on the bench for this for this game. I think that uh, if you if you if you sit him out this game and then you let him travel to Argentina early, I think that would be something that we could do that's that's reasonable for Enzo in terms of. I mean, he came, he practiced once, been playing ever since, uh, right away from his from his family. I'm I'm assuming, right, of the support system. Mm-hmm. I think Benfica would would do the right thing if you let him uh, go out to Argentina earlier um, and have Auschwitz play. I, I think that Benfica would would be a nice deed, regardless of. You know, Benfica's a, if Chris was here, you'd be saying, ah, fuck that. Benfica is a professional organization <laughs> and we got to treat the these players. Yeah, we got to treat these players as professionals. I don't give a shit. Fuck their feelings. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the mo- most ultimate disrespect? Does Andre Almeida get his first minutes of the this season hey, against move there? Let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves, man. <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'm with you, man. Whoever starts against Juventus, um, let him sit against uh, against Maritim. I think at center back we don't have much to choose there. We have to go Otamendi and 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 Tony Tony Silva. Um, what in, in midfield? I think that Enzo should definitely get that rest and let Auschwitz play and uh, give some give Draxler some minutes in this game, as you were mentioning, Dave. Yep, it'll be good yep. for him at yep. Lush. It really would. There. Uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Paul Bernardo is basically just a B team player now, right? Like, well, he played for the B team this past uh, this past week. Uh, I think the, I think the biggest thing, and I uh, look, I maybe this is planned out, right? You you have to make sure that these guys are getting the game here and there, even if it's the B team, because otherwise, mm-hmm. then by the time you try to rotate. These guys are way too 
too behind in terms of having any type of com competitive rhythm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, result. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a trap hmm. game, but I'm gonna go three nothing for Benfica. Yeah, at least three goals for Benfica. I was thinking three nothing uh, as well. Here, if you're going three, I'll go four. All right, four. Four nothing. All right. Uh, what else we got? We got a couple couple items, right? Couple items. I think yeah, that I the the uh, let me just mention this: the Aki Aki Patins team. Uh, for the the roller hockey team for Benfica won their Super Cup this past weekend. Uh, I believe that uh, the handball team also got into the final. Or yeah, I think they, yeah, they uh, they beat Sporting in the Super Cup of the handball uh, league. Also, so good uh, good for Benfica. And and you got something that's uh, near and dear to our heart. Yeah, near and dear to our, our podcasting uh, community. Uh, April, uh, Gail Sixero reached out to me. If, uh, for past listeners, uh, uh, the Sixeros are the mix, the Portuguese mixed curling uh, club. And for our uh, Canadian listeners in the uh, Toronto area, they're going to be hosting a, um, a, a, a curling introduction for those who are interested. So on Saturday, September 24th, between uh, one and five, they're inviting the Portuguese community in the uh, Southern Ontario region to come try out curling at the uh, curling rink at the Mississauga Golf and Country Club. Um, there's mixed doubles, mixed curling, men's teams uh, that will be there um, to instruct anyone ages over uh, six and over are welcome. No experience is necessary. Uh, they really want to have a lot of people there who have never played before just to try to get uh, them introduced uh, to the sport, yeah, and they uh, they can adapt to a huge variety of uh, physical ability. So anyone who wants to uh, give curling a shot, um, come out on September 24th uh, to the Mississauga Golf and Country Club. Um, to register, just uh, reach out to curling at fdiportugal.pt. Again, curling at fdiportugal.pt, and uh, all is welcome. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put that out on uh, on our Twitter too. But look, uh, I know that the missus is going to make you guys go out and, and, and pumpkin picking maybe in a few weeks, right? Why not uh, say, hey, if you're going to make me go pumpkin picking, let's go out and try some some curling, right? And then you could show the Maria what your what your Vasota skills are. That's what it that's was one of uh, April's uh advertisement points here. You know the Maria the Joana Maria with the the uh, the brooms there they're going to be there. So um hey, I'm going to be there. I've I've already registered. I'm going to be there. Uh, that's awesome, April man. said that they're going to shoot some videos and we will have some videos to post uh, afterwards. So uh make it a, a Saturday afternoon at the curling club and uh hope yeah. to see uh some of the Freddies uh, at the uh, the uh the rink there yeah that's right cottage cottage uh weather is is done up in up in canada so go out man take the kids out everybody have fun do a little skidding around throw the rock around broom broom it you know sounds like fun man i'm i'm just uh i'm just kind of jealous that i wish i had it here because it would definitely be something that i would love to uh that i would love to try 
especially when it doesn't require a lot of a lot of running on my part my fat body wouldn't be able to handle it but gliding through the ice not a lot of running but yeah you gotta glide you gotta glide you gotta i'm all about i'm all about gliding i'm all about gliding because uh my my weight will carry my my momentum so i could probably go all the way down even though i know i have to release the rock but i could probably go all the way down and blow the rock as i'm sliding down with the rock there anyway, it's all in good so, fun. Yeah. yeah. We're uh, we're look I'm looking forward to uh to trying out some curling and uh hopefully uh seeing some uh Freddies out there as well. So That's awesome, September, man. Uh, uh, September 24th from 1 to 5 p.m. at the uh, Mississauga Golf and uh Curling Club there. Yeah. No, get out there, have some fun, man. Take the family out and kids, you know, take the kids out. I know it's been been a little bit challenging in terms of covid and all the restrictions but uh, it looks like we're we're back at it again so take the family out enjoy uh enjoy an activity that you probably have seen on tv but uh, i've never uh, even seen it live so it should be fun anyway dave that's all we got thank you very much everybody for checking this out next week we'll be back we'll recap this juventus game we'll recap the maritime game and uh, we'll get ready for international break, our favorite time of the season. Not. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care.